What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, Islam versus Benny is off, and Bobby Green has agreed to step in. And at the end of the show today, I'm going to tell you whether I think Bobby Green has a chance against Makhlchev. Plus, George Masvidal has made a very interesting call-out. I'll get to that and so much more, but first, I want to talk to you about some events that went down this past weekend, beginning with the UFC. Oh, Johnny Walker, guys. It's hard to follow Johnny and not feel something inside. Not feel where you just, you want to give him a hug maybe, or you want to give him a pat on the back. I don't know if anybody has had worse luck. I don't like to use that word a lot. Luck. What is luck? Work hard, good things happen, right? Well, not always. Sometimes it's very hard to identify or even put your finger on what you're seeing. I mean, let's take a look at Walker, okay? Ball of fire. You guys, the audience, love him. The promotion sees something special. He goes from unknown to top of the bill in record time. Walker, for those of us with a short-term memory, three years ago, right before he got in there and suffered the loss to Corey Anderson, Walker was what Chemayev is today to the media. To the fascination and the intrigue of all of the audience, Walker was the ra- fastest rising star. Walker was going to be the number one contender. Walker was not only going to face, he was going to beat John Jones. People absolutely believe that. That was probably a lot of fun. I'm sure there's a downside. There's another side of the coin and the pressures and the expectations. And well, let me get a little bit of experience just how good am I. But I was even hearing people in the practice room, people that were training with Walker out in Thailand, and they said he's special said he was unique. And that's the same two words that you have to apply to John Jones. You can't just go, he's good. He's tough. You can't. That's enough for most guys. That's a lifetime of work to get your peers to say, he's good or he's tough. It's not John special. And I was hearing that same word said about Johnny Walker. Now, what a difference a day makes. Corey Anderson turns him off. All of a sudden, he's on the road back. But Walker was willing to sacrifice. I really respect Walker for this reason right here. Many things I like about this young man. I respect him for this. As soon as he thought he was getting a little bit off course, and he'll never, the athlete will never disclose fully to us when he leaves camps, when he goes to another state, another gym, other trainers, in Walker's case, another continent. But when he does that, he'll never fully tell us why. And a lot of times it just has to do with distraction. It has nothing to do with the coach, the teammate, or the facility. It's just some of the surrounding area. Maybe get a little too familiar with some people. I'm not suggesting for you for sure that's what happened with Walker. But when Walker saw that things weren't going as perfectly as he wanted them, he did make some real life changes. You pack up and you go to another country. You're the new kid in school. And you start over from scratch. He did that. He showed us that he wanted it. He showed us that he was willing to get back on the horse, right the wrongs, Make sure this story finishes the right way. 
at some point in Johnny's career, he wins a fight, does something the kids call the worm. Now, if you don't know what the worm is, good for you. If you've ever done the worm, you're a nerd. But if you just want to fist fight on television in the 205-pound division, people aren't going to tease you. Go ahead and hit your worm. Well, he does. He separates his shoulder. I swear to goodness, I'm not making this up if you guys don't know the story. I think he needed surgery. I know he had to get popped back in place. I watched it on... He stands up to do his post-fight interview. His shoulder's out of place. Whether I'm adding the word surgery to the situation or not, can we agree? That's some bad luck. What are the chances of that? That is the second time in my life I've heard of and watched with my own eyes somebody be injured in post-fight celebration. All right. He goes and fixes it. He comes back. Looks great. Winning the audience over. Controlling the media for 205 pounds. And we have been in search of somebody interesting at 205 pounds for a meaningful amount of time. Boom. Three years ago, we had it, Johnny Walker. He then... And he's fighting tough guys. Don't forget that. He's always a main card, co-main event, main event spot. He's fighting some very tough guys. So there's not a lot of room for air. But if you do look what happened to him Saturday, and I'm not trying to take away from Jamal. That wasn't a very hard punch. That wasn't a beautiful punch. That punch was not set up fantastically. Jamal would admit that. Jamal did not let that leave home plate thinking he was going to round all the bases. But it hit Johnny in the one spot where that kind of power from that kind of shot can end your night. And it did. And that's only, that's only a one-inch circumference right on the temple. It wasn't the power. It was the placement. Walker could have taken that shot anywhere else on his body. So, I again, I don't have a better word to use, so I call it luck. Now, I bring you that. I bring you that in defense of Walker. What Walker needs to do is get right back up, get right back on that horse, a position he's been in before, and a position that he proved he has the character, physical, and mental toughness to do. Look at the other side of the coin. I've told you guys before, I don't think I can like Jamal Hill anymore. And I've also told you what those reasons are. I like how he walks to the ring. I like the way he fights. I like what he has to say before he leaves. Jamal Hill is now going to be in the top 10. That's relevant because the first to welcome him was Uzdemir. And Uzdemir went right on social media and he didn't bury him. He just said, you're now in the top 10. Things are going to get a lot harder. Be careful living up here too high because the come downs are going to be rough. That's really not bad advice. Now, people took that as fighting words. I'm one of those people, right? If Ozdemir is going to say that, hey, you're in the top 10 where he happens to be and you're going to come down. I, yeah, sure. It's Ozdemir saying, I'm going to be the one to bring you down. I like it. I like it. And Jamal responded immediately. These guys fought on Saturday. By the news cycle on Monday morning, they had already picked a fight with each other and they had both agreed. So Jamal did not take a single day off. Ozdemir did not let an opportunity go waste. Everybody did what they're supposed to be here. I just don't expect your, your, your palms to get clammy looking forward to that fight, though it is an interesting one. And I do think that Ozdemir is right. I think stylistically for what Ozdemir does his best work with, it's Jamal. Okay, great. Everybody did what they're supposed to do. But it seems as though there does appear to be a bit of a new contender in town. And he's in a little bit of an interesting spot. You break into the top 10. You're coming off wins like this. We have seen guys within the sport time and time again that get on what's called a roll. Ronda Rousey 
Frank Shamrock, Conor McGregor, big names, powerful, wonderful fighters. But when you get on a roll, when you start getting opponent after opponent after opponent out of there in less than a round, you start to expect you're going to continue to get opponents out of there less than a round. So on fight night, when you find yourself in round three, you've now found yourself in a contest that's harder than you thought it was going to be. In the gym, in the preparation, when it's time to run up that hill in the morning that you don't want to do. If you can convince yourself you're not going to have to go more than a round, even if it's subconscious, it works against you. I don't submit for you that's what's going to happen with Jamal. I submit for you that Ozdemir makes a very fair point. Getting guys out of here inside of five, hard to do and great job. Getting a top 10 guy out of here in less than five, statistically, much less likely. So if Jamal can humble himself, if he can know some of the things he's not getting in the cage, such as repetition, such as minutes, such as adversity, such as tired, such as hurt, and he knows that's still in front of him somewhere, he can overcome that. But he has to be very aware. He has to be very, very aware that every fight, particularly the main events that are scheduled for 25 minutes, you must be prepared for the worst case scenario, which is you're in there in minutes 20 through 25. There's nothing to say that Jamal doesn't fully agree with me and isn't fully aware. I'm just sharing with you there is a little bit of a curse on the guys that get on one of those roles. And to explain to you as to why it happens, one, it's fight night. Anytime you find yourself in a situation harder than you thought it was going to be, things unravel quickly, but it's also subconsciously and it's done in the gym and it's done in training. And you have to be laser focused. You have to be grateful for the good ones. You got away with one. On to the next one, couple of paychecks. Hold that part on the card, and that's where it's got to end. Ozdemir, why it looks like, took fighting words at Jamal. Ozdemir gave him some good advice. And whether you like it or not, or you think it was rude or not, Ozdemir is right. Guys, I spend so much time on this show talking about the UFC. I rarely ever get into some other top promotions that are doing great. On today's episode, I want to change that. Two events over the weekend, I would be remiss. I would be delinquent in my job over here to not bring this to you. Let's start with Bellator. So Logan Storley goes out and fights. And let me tell you who Logan Storley fought, and he's not going to take this as a compliment. This is going to bother him when I say it. But Neiman Gracie is the best Gracie to ever do MMA. He's not going to take that as a compliment, but you guys know what a compliment that is. This guy can do everything. He can go late. He's in great shape. He's mean. He's excellent. And it was an excellent fight. And Gracie almost won it. But at the end of the day, it was Logan Storley. Fine. Fine. Saw a few rounds. Get up and go home. Well, not so fast. Storley grabs the microphone and he burns the house down. That is the opposite of how Logan Storley has handled every interview his entire life. Storley does not have my phone number in his phone. I have his number, though. Got it from Aaron Simpson a number of years ago. Hung on to it. I sent him a text message without identifying myself, and I never once told him congratulations, and I never told him good fight, and I never told him how impressed I was with his boxing. I said, good job with your interview. It's about time, exclamation point. He wrote me back. He said, thank you. I'm working on it. Now, he doesn't know who that came from. He's just a polite guy that got a number in his phone, and uh, you know, he's just a nice guy, apparently, and he responded. But if you go listen to the interview, there was nothing within it that I even remember him saying. You guys might remember a guy called the Ultimate Warrior. 
The Ultimate Warrior was the biggest thing in all of wrestling. He was a flash of the pan, rest his soul. But he got past the torch by Hulk Hogan. And it wasn't just Hulk putting him over. Warrior was damn near taking the torch. He just did a fantastic job. Somewhere around 87, somewhere around 89, 90. Red hot, burned out. If you haven't heard of the Warrior, you won't. But the Warrior used to give some of the most epic interviews ever. I have the foggiest idea what he said. He used to, he, he used to grunt and he'd snort. And he would look, he'd look intense, and he would talk about getting into the plane of a cockpit and taking that thing up to the galaxy before he drives it to a nosedive for all the warriors. And you just, you just, oh my God, that was great. And then you think about what he said. He's going to get in the cockpit of a plane. He's going to take it up into the galaxy. Then he, what, what are you talking about? All of his interviews that way. And the foggiest idea what he was talking about. They weren't like poetry from a brilliant man that you're supposed to sit and break down and digest. They were just the ramblings of an entertainer said with a ton of intensity. And that's what Logan did for the first time ever. Logan just said the same things that he always says, but instead of saying it while he looked down and like he was scared of the microphone, he looked in the audience at the Mohegan Sun and he told every damn one of them how he was feeling inside. And it was great. Aside from, he just beat the greatest Gracie ever. Do you, know, do you know how big of a compliment that is? I don't care. I mean, I really don't. He's a four-time All-American, might be a three-time, for the University of Minnesota, All-American Division I wrestler. He did no takedowns. He did it all boxing on his feet, and it was the same setup. He dipped the same way through, did a march. He did that all night long for 15 minutes. It was great. I don't care. He did not call anybody out. He did not proclaim himself the greatest. I don't care. He had something to say, and he said it in a strong, in a loud voice, in a very clear tone. The entire audience is cheering, and I'm at home just going, finally, finally. It was great. It was one of these great moments. Simultaneously, Bare Knuckle Boxing's on. Now, if there's any promoter that I have been impressed with in the last three years, it is Dave Feldman. Because Dave has had nobody help him. He has done had nothing done for him. And he has found a way. And whatever Dave has to do, whether it's a straight line or he's got to take some curves, he will get you from A to Z as well as anybody. He's a fighter. I could only begin to know some of the struggles that he's had to overcome. He opens that window on time every time. And nothing has made him sacrifice or compromise production. It's a beautiful event. And we all get it. It's a bit of a throwback. I've never seen bare knuckle boxing, but I've seen it in movies. There's even one Brad Pitt, you know, and you got the guy with this stance and we find out that's called the Queensberry and they turn, but that's a, it's a real thing. We've seen it in some kind of cultural film or depiction. Now we're getting in there. We, we understand the rules. Boxing fans, MMA fans, we get the rules. Boxing fans are going to think it's a little bit dirty, but MMA fans are going to understand that. We just get it. It's simple. It's basic. It's right in front of you, but he makes it look gorgeous. And then he's bringing in better and better talent. He's got Mike Perry over there. That's right where Mike belongs. And Mike Perry is a winner. Mike Perry is a winner. Mike Perry shows up in shape. He claims he doesn't train, and many people that have been teammates with him over the years back that story up, but he never, he never quits out there. He believes in himself, he stays calm, and he's a pretty mean guy. If you have to fight Mike Perry, do it in a grappling event, even do it in an MMA event. You don't want to just trade hands with the guy. 
He's got a chin. He's got no quit in him. He doesn't get tired. He can hit hard. He'll dig to the body. I mean, this is just one example. There was a number of great fighters. The return of Chad Mendez. Chad, you want to speak about winners? You can do combat any way you want. You can call it collegiate, freestyle, Greco-Roman, judo, jiu-jitsu, any words you can throw out there. Chad Mendez can go out and compete with anybody. I don't know that we're going to see Chad a whole bunch. I, I, I don't know. He looked great. He looks as good physically as I've ever seen him. All he does is hike all day, Chad Mendez. He's a, he's a tour guide. He takes people hunting. He just hikes all day. And then all he eats is jerky. Just some kind of a pro. He hasn't had a carb since I don't know when. And you can see it. My good. He just he looked as scary as he's ever looked. And it doesn't matter that it's boxing. It doesn't matter what the rules are with Mendez. Mendez is not a boxer. He is not a fighter. He is a competitor. Any rules, anybody. You tell him and you get Chad, you got your hands full. Just a great event. Great night overall. I've got the UFC on one channel. I got Bellator going here. I got Bare Knuckle over here. I'm showing no loyalty to anybody except for myself. <laughs> I love nights like that. I'm flipping through. You're not going to burn me on a commercial break. I got something to do. That was my night. If you experienced one similar between the three, please tell me which was your favorite fight overall. What was your favorite fight of the weekend? So earlier this week, George Mosvidal sent out a tweet, and it got all of you guys excited, and I'm going to tell you what he said in just a moment. First, a word about today's sponsors. Do you guys ever feel like you need a little bit of a boost, mental or physical energy, but you don't like drinking coffee? Or maybe you need a little more mental focus to get that project finished. Allow me to introduce you to one of my go-tos, Kratom by Super Spiciosa. It's an all-natural Indonesian tropical tea leaf from the same family as the coffee plant. It's been used for centuries to promote energy and wellness. Super Spiciosus Kratom is pure and unadulterated. All plant and no synthetics, just pure Kratom leaf. It's available in capsules, tea bags, and powder. I prefer the capsules. It can be used as a natural pre-workout, but also helps with recovery. Super Spiciosa has helped energize my mind, but also relax my body. It makes me feel very sharp and on point without any kind of jitters. Super Spiciosa products are recognized by the American Kratom Association. And let me tell you guys, that's a big deal because there's a lot of synthetic Kratom products out there. If you want to give it a try, and I suggest that you do, go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash Chael. If you've never taken Kratom before, try it in the capsule form. Super Spiciosha guarantees 100% satisfaction or your money back. No tricks, no gimmicks. Go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash Chael and get 20% off with promo code Chael. That's GetSuperLeaf.com slash Chael and use the promo code Chael for 20% off. Guys, I'm really not into fads. When it comes to my wardrobe, I keep things pretty classic and simple. In fairness, my wife helps me with that, but I gotta tell you guys, I am really loving this leisure wear trend. I have some new jogger pants by Bird Dogs, and they are so darn comfortable, but you never know by looking at them. They look like khaki slacks, but with the comfort of a sweatpant. Bird Dogs have done a great job of making comfortable bottoms while keeping you looking great. They also make a great pair of shorts that come with built-in underwear. I know that may sound a bit funny, but at times for a guy, 
Less is more, especially when it comes to gym shorts. One of my favorite parts about their pants is you can pick the length of your inseam. They offer a six inch, seven inch, and nine inch inseams. Some guys like long shorts and some like a shorter length depending on the type of workout they're gonna be doing. They've also made their products with seamless hidden pockets that'll fit an iPhone, wallet, a money clip. Bird dogs are high quality comfort with style and functionality. Also, their marketing alone is worth checking out at their site. I gotta tell you, go to birddogs.com, enter the promo code CHAIL. They'll throw in a free bird dogs whistle football. That's birddogs.com. Use the promo code CHAIL and boom, a free bird dogs football with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise. George Mosvall just did something very interesting. George Mosvall, I get a text last night from Tommy from the Bronx, who's my source to everything Diaz. Tommy's informing me that Mosvall just called out Nate Diaz. I said, what did Nate say? He said, Nate said, sign me up. Okay. There's three guys in this sport who cannot do anything wrong. The three biggest stars in the sport in terms of a box office draw. Connor. Masvidal, anybody with the last name of Diaz. If you get two of those three together, you just took the very theme that I'm talking to you about and you multiplied it. Okay. So Masvidal going after Diaz, the reason I say it's smart is it works. It doesn't matter what happens. If Masvidal gets cleaned up by Covington, Masvidal Diaz works all day long. If Masvidal beats Covington, Masvidal Diaz works all day long. And George even told us, uh, Masvidal, he told us why he did it. Did the call out, did it on Twitter. Said after I get done with Covington, if that doesn't get me to Usman, if I have to wait for Usman was his exact words, then I'll fight you in the meantime. Boom, done, sold. He's right. He is not drawing it no matter what happens. Masvidal could knock Colby out in two seconds. He is not drawing into Usman. He's aware of that. I respect that. He needs something to do. Why take a huge risk? Why not do a huge night of business that everybody's watching and you get the same bump in your career anyway? It doesn't matter if he wins. That's if he wins. If he wins, he draws right into Nate Diaz. Boom. Nate will agree to that right now. Nate did agree to that. Nate agreed to that instantly as soon as he picked up his phone and, and read that it was even put out there. If Masvidal gets cleaned up by Covington, that fight still works. It's one of those things. And there's only three guys in our sport right now that that's true, and I just named them for you, Connor, Masvidal, and the Diaz boys. They say there's only two guys in the history of boxing where that's true, that whatever they're doing and whoever they're doing it against, it's going to be massive. Oscar De La Hoya and Mike Tyson. I think that list needs amended. I think you need to add Floyd Mayweather to it. I did not recognize the human standing across from Floyd anywhere in his career with three exceptions. I got familiar with them. They did a great job with marketing and promotion. They did the, the 24-7s and the countdown shows. They just did a great job. But that's how I learned who that other person was. Not saying those weren't damn good boxers. I'm just saying they weren't household names. Floyd picked them for a reason, and Floyd would even refer to it as that. He would say, I picked you. He would not say you qualify, you've earned it. The rankings say the WBC and the IBF and the three other little letters that have some level of influence in boxing. He wouldn't say that. He would say that I picked you, but it was true and they do a great night of business and everybody would be thankful. MMA is the same way. 
We've only got three. And throughout time, according to Dana, George St. Pierre was the only guarantee he had. And I think you would need to amend that. And I think you'd have to put Rhonda in there. I think. It's very hard to know with Rhonda because of promotion. We were lied to repeatedly, which frankly, it's none of our business. I don't mean to lie the bad way. But it was grossly exaggerated, the kind of draw that Rhonda was. Okay, we'll go with that. So if you can get Diaz and Masvidal, it works no matter what. And nothing is more important in this sport or the job that you guys have right now. The job you do, you want to do a good job. You want to be there on time. You don't want to leave early. And you want to have a good attitude. And you want to be very productive. I get of those things. But that would go in one category. The single most important thing that you can do at your job today is make sure that you have a job to come back to tomorrow. You would put everything, all those beautiful words that I threw out there, all those buzzwords, you would set them aside if you can know for sure you have a job to come to tomorrow. It is what Israel Adesanya does so well. Generally, when you're one of these big stars, Connor, Masvidal, anybody named Diaz, you don't have to do those things. Yeah, you don't have to do them, but you should still do them. Everybody's got a light, and everybody's light dims. The story ends the same way every single time, which is this guy that you love to see perform stops performing. So the key is to keep that window and nobody knows what it is. It's already predetermined. It's the big guy in the sky. You don't have a, a whole lot of control over it, but you do have some influence on it. And following the basics of setting something up for yourself to do tomorrow is paramount. Masvidal's doing that. I want you guys to see this. Masvidal did not become the second biggest star in this sport on accident. It was very well planned. He knew things are happening. Guys around me are bigger stars than I am, and I'm doing the same thing they am. I'm working just as hard. I'm making just as many flights. I'm spending just as many nights alone to a cold dinner in a hotel room away from my family. Why are they getting all the credit? He started to look at it. He started to study it, and he started to change his behaviors. And now he's a guy that you can look to to copy. He's setting a great example. Masvidal's a very good leader for the locker room. The organization of the UFC is better having Masvidal in it, but guys have to observe it and then they have to copy him. So Masvidal has already began as the media builds up to spread and sprinkle through the media, not a full focus to Colby Covington, a fight that he already has. He could never say Colby's name again. He's going to fight him. He's going to make a bunch of money. Everybody's going to watch. It's going to be a main event. He already has those things. What he doesn't have is his next fight, so he's using and leveraging the media that he is guaranteed because of the Colby fight to start another fight. It's very basic. It's very simple, but nobody does it. I've talked to you guys until I'm blue in the face about the useless waste of talent we have within the heavyweight division. No heavyweight is speaking up. None. The biggest star at heavyweight drinks beer out of a stranger's shoe. That's a gimmick. It's not a skill. It's not a talent. It's a ruse. It's also the only gimmick or ruse in the entire division. So of course it's the best. Of course it's the number one stunt. Of course it's the one that gets broken off and shared over all platforms. It's the only one. You have no heavyweight that is even aware enough of their division that all they have to do is sneeze and everybody will talk about it. 
They have no competition. You want to know a heavyweight that I like? There's no Rosenstrike. I think Rosenstrike should get more credit than he does. Rosenstrike had two bad things happen to him. One was Engano, and another one uh, Rosenstrike stubs his toe with. Aside from that, the guy's been perfect. He's very good. He's come back from the jaws of defeat to capture victory like he did with Overeem. He's a main event fighter, but he doesn't demand. I look at Rosenstrike and I go, all right, here's the guy. He's special. He looks special. He looks fantastic. He's got incredible skills. He's hungry. He's working hard. He moved his camp to Florida. He's taken all the sacrifices. He gets big fights. He gets co-main events. He's a main event quality guy. But he doesn't demand his attention. He accepts, well, I lost, I lost to Francis, so Francis gets to go and do this before I do. That only makes sense. A lot of you don't even know those two fought. You don't see 246 in May of last year or the year before. Who gives a goddamn? Go out and take it. And Rosenstrike is a very intimidating guy with a very good set of skills. Full disclosure, I met him one time. He treated me wonderfully. That's true. But I also said there was a charisma to him. He was a cool guy. Rosenstruck should be out in front of the cameras right now. He should be demanding, not waiting for the cameras to find him, not waiting for opportunities to find him. The only thing that he does, his skills are there. His look is there. His name is out there. But he's not demanding that he get it. He's not even suggesting for us as to what's next. He's waiting to hear, and then he'll go and do a level of, of building a fight up. There's no conflict there. That doesn't mean Rosenstrike won't attempt to manufacture conflict because conflict does sell. But if you got the phone call for some random name, how real is the audience supposed to believe that conflict could possibly be? If the conflict arises prior to the signing of the contract, now we know it's authentic. And Rosenstrike finally spoke up earlier today. And he started making some demands for himself. And I loved it. I loved it. I happen to believe in him for one. He happens to be a very scary guy. You know, even when he goes out there and gets knocked out by Engano, he got knocked out by Engano because he stepped right in the pocket and said, let's trade. He got in a gunfight on worldwide TV. So what the other guy drew first? He gets credit from me. He walked out there like a man. He knew what he was getting into. He knew the dangers of being in there, and he put himself in it anyway. I think Rosenstrike's a stud. I also think that he's got some real star qualities. And I don't think stubbing your toe against Curtis by, behind you. To hell with it. Bring up old stuff. What's going to be next? It's very incumbent that you set that up if you want control of your own career. If you want the audience to believe that you have a problem with a guy standing across from you, but you never mentioned his name until after a contract was signed, the audience isn't that foolish. They're just not. The order of the conflict is very important. Does it precede the signing of a bout agreement? And I bring that to you and I bring these comparisons. One, because I like to talk about Rosenstrike. I like Rosenstrike. Other side of it, Masvidal's doing it. If the second biggest draw in the sport, who's about to be a main event, that's completely sold out, does something, you should see what it is. Masvidal is a thinker. That's the one thing you guys don't know about him. He's a thinker and he's calculated. If it comes out of Masvidal's math, there's a strategy and a plan. The strategy and plan that Masvidal put into action three years ago came to fruition. 
if you don't study that very closely, or if you do study it and you think it was the growing of your hair and putting on a Versace shirt, you're not seeing it, and it's right in front of your face. Mazel has a sold-out fight coming up. He's now looking for his next one. He says that's going to be Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz said no problem. And we know that's not a problem because they've already done it once. Those guys have unfinished business. That story works. But somebody's going to claim Nate. And Nate is very eager. Nate is going to say yes. Nate's been called out three times in the last four months. He accepted all of them. So if you have a willing Nate Diaz, but you don't have the sense to go out there and get on the docket with him, that's your mistake. And it's a mistake that's not being made by George Masvidal. Now let's turn our attention to the weekend ahead, Makhlchev versus Green, which is a fight I'm looking forward to. And after that, I want to talk to you about a guy who's been forgotten in all of this, Benny Darouche. Bobby Green was on Ariel's show, and I came up, our topic came up. If I just asked a question, why did Bobby need spotted five pounds? Relevant question by me because history says the guy who can't make weight did not do something right, right? Calories in to calories out. But we know that isn't the case here because we just saw Bobby make weight. We've never seen Bobby miss weight. We've never seen Bobby do anything other than what Bobby said he was going to do. So my question still isn't answered, but I can take my concern off, right? Because I asked the question with a concern of why are you not prepared? Did you not work hard enough? Did you not eat correctly? Just asking a question. Bobby answered it. He said, no, it's none of those things. He said, I pull about 20 to 25 pounds. I'm just going to make myself a little bit more comfortable. I get that. I'm good right there. Hard stop. I get it. I was cured, but I get it. I'm glad I asked it. I was put in a similar situation like that once. It was to fight Vandalay Silva. We had done the ultimate fighter in Brazil, and then we were going to go over there to do the fight. Now, when we agreed to this whole process, the fight was in Las Vegas. It gets changed to Brazil. And I was on a FaceTime. It was Dana and Lorenzo, and I'm, I'm on a FaceTime. I was in Brazil, and I said, guys, I'll do it all. I'll make the weight. I'll do the whole thing. I'm not, I don't want to do that for 25 minutes. Vandalay and I were supposed to be a three-round contest. If you're moving us to the main event, it makes it 25 minutes. Changes things greatly. And I was under great pressure in Brazil. Just from a stress standpoint. And stress creates fatigue. So I was a little bit worried about that. I said, I'll do it for three rounds. They said, look, it's a main event. That's just, that's just not how we do it. It's going to be for 25 minutes. The story ends right there. I did not get my way, but I can relate with what Bobby is saying. You're calling me for a favor. I understand the discomforts I must go through. I need you to understand the cramming of training I've got to go through. I got a good base under me, but mentally I wasn't here. I'll I'll make it all happen. I'll fix it all, and I'll even add two rounds to what I'm in shape to do. I'm not going to kill myself cutting weight. It's already going to be a pain in the ass. Help me out with some weight. I Okay. I fully accept that answer, but as we do look at that fight and we can eliminate that from part of the process, we now come to a question, can Bobby Green beat Islam? Yes, Bobby Green can beat Islam. How's Bobby going to do it? Well, let's start with this. You don't want to trade hands with Bobby Green. Can we all agree with that? And I don't mean the figurative you. I mean you. You you don't want to get in a fist fight with Bobby Green. So how do you beat a guy? Well, I... Grab him and throw him down. Okay. 
can you grab him and throw him down? No. You can't just grab. Bobby can wrestle. And Bobby can scramble. And Bobby can grapple. And I offer you all three of those. Because the takedown is not the grappling. The takedown is wrestling. Once you're down, your ability to reverse, your ability to submit, your ability, far most important, is to scramble and get back up to your feet. Bobby has those. Bobby can do those things. Islam is a big, strong guy. And I read in a comment section the last time I talked about the weight and the five pounds that I think that favors Bobby Green. And people pushed back and said, Shale, no way. People thought they knew Islam better. They were bringing me information. They said, if you were to weigh those two in on fight night, I guarantee you Islam will have a couple pounds on him. Okay. We won't be able to do that. I won't know. But the point that you're attempting to make, regardless of what the literal weight is, is that Islam is plenty big and that this weight is something I'm making a big deal out of. I concede. After hearing from Bobby on air, I concede. There's nothing to see here. But it does change things. If we're talking about a number one contenders match, which is what this was supposed to be, can you have a number one contenders match outside of the weight class? It's a fair question by me. It's a very fair question. And we've seen this once before, and the answer was yes. You guys will remember, but it was Donald Cerrone versus Conor McGregor. And they did it at, was it 170 pounds? But Dana, and even though that's a weight class, Dana said, look, it's 255 pounders. It's the holidays. We're going to do it at 70. Just pretend we're doing it at 55. He actually said that. Just imagine for the rankings, for the purpose, for contention, just imagine this is at 155. All right. I'm trying to get Dana to say that now. I think this should be a number one contenders match. I don't think Bobby should have to get off his biscuit and go out here and risk it just for the sake of doing it. I think he should get something. And what this match was about was number one contendership. I'm trying to preserve that. I don't know if I'm going to get my way. Many times in this sport, we will have a number one contenders match for this guy. Give you a great example. One of my favorite stories of getting introduced into the UFC comes from a friend and teammate of mine named Pat Cummings. Pat Cummings debuted on no notice against Daniel Cormier. Pat Cummings had no UFC experience. He didn't even have a contract eight days before. He debuts in a co-main event against Daniel Cormier. Daniel beat him, and guess what Daniel did next? Daniel fought for the world championship. It was a number one contenders match for Daniel. If Pat Cummings would have got the jump on the Big Bear, I can assure you as sure as night follows day, his second fight is not a main event for the strap against John Jones. I think it should have been. I think it should be. I think a number one contenders match, it's got to be both guys. It's got to be looked at as a semifinal. We don't have a competitive architecture in this sport, and you can see all the logic says I'm wrong. Logic and basic reasoning says, no, Pat Cummings gets the gift of being in the organization. He gets a bigger gift of being in a televised fight. He gets a bigger gift of being in a co-main event. He does not get a number one contenders match. But, But then why does Daniel? Logic goes both ways on this one. I never get my way on this, and I'm not fighting for it now, but I think that I should here, and I don't want anyone else to come out later and say, Chael, that's not a number one contenders match. And as a matter of fact, it wasn't even contested at 155. Well, you got two 55-pounders that are doing it at a different weight. That's the exact same scenario we had when Conor McGregor took on Cowboy Cerrone, and we were told to imagine that it did. I think we need to be told that now. Bobby Green can win this fight. Bobby Green, I'll guarantee you, is going to win moments of this fight. One thing about Khabib, when you're talking Islam, you're always going to make comparisons to Khabib, but that's a compliment. 
Islam looks up to Khabib, Khabib mentors Islam. It's okay to make comparisons. One thing about Khabib, and I don't feel this story is told enough, is Khabib is the most dominant fighter in the history of combat. That includes boxing. There has never been a combat unarmed, licensed participant to have more 10-8 rounds in a career. That includes boxing. So you can always talk about who the best is. You can fight about who the GOAT is. You cannot dispute numbers. Khabib is the most dominant fighter in the history of combat. Carry that over to Islam. I have only seen Islam in trouble once. It was a scramble situation. It was up against the fence. It was two fights ago for him, and his opponent hit a reversal. It was less than two seconds, but it was an exchange that Islam did not win. Islam promptly got back to good position, dominated, ended up finishing the contest. But you have to look close when you have these great fighters. You have to look super close, and then you got to rewatch it again. You got to rewatch it again just to find a moment where it wasn't going exactly the way they had planned. I've only seen one in Islam's entire career. It was a grappling exchange. It wasn't even all that big of a deal. Bobby Green is going to, I'm not going to be able to make that statement a week from now. Bobby Green is going to give him problems. Bobby Green is going to win exchanges. Bobby Green is very likely to win a round. The question is just, can he win the fight? The answer to that is yes. The follow-up question is going to be, how? As I see it for Bobby, there's only one thing Bobby cannot allow to happen. He cannot be pushed up against the fence. I don't think Bobby's back should ever touch that cage, not once. Bobby needs to get in the center of the cage and stay there. Bobby's very good at taunting people. He's very good at throwing a lot of activity your way. And he's very good at pressuring. If Bobby goes and fights the way Bobby fights, he is the perfect candidate to upset Islam. Perfect. But so many times I'll see people in these fights, particularly when they're taking on a guy that's grappling heavy. They get so scared of the grappling that they just keep making space. You can't make space any other way than backing up. And you can only back up so far until you hit the fence, which is the only place Bobby can't be. Bobby should never touch that fence. And he's a big enough, strong enough, good enough guy that he has the ability to not touch the fence unless he puts himself there which is to back up to avoid the grappling. Grapple with Islam. Grapple with him all day. Right in the center of that canvas. Don't back up till you can't back anymore because you got galvanized steel dipped in rubber behind you. Nowhere else to go. That's where the problems begin. It's an interesting fight. It deserves to be looked at for what it is. It deserves to be a number one contender's fight. But it is the first time that we've seen Islam going into battle. A lot of you are going, chill, you're crazy. Islam's going to win it. Well, what would you bet on that? What would you bet? You're saying it. What would you actually bet? You had to bet. It's a tough one. It is the closest one on paper Islam has ever had. Islam is a very dominant athlete. I understand these things. I'm telling you now. Bobby is going to win exchanges. Bobby is going to win moments. Bobby is likely to win a round. Can he make that two rounds? Can he make that three rounds? It's between them. But this is a very compelling and surprising matchup.
Benil Darush. What does he do now? The casualty of this weekend's fight that's going to do incredible numbers. I mean, if you're over at ESPN, you got to just be chomping at the bit. You're going to get Bobby Green versus Islam. The byproduct of that is what do you do with Darush? That's a hard spot, guys. More complicated than you might think because Darush has won so damn many fights in a row. It has been so many years since he tasted defeat that I truly can't remember. I believe he's won seven in a row. It could be eight. I believe he's gone three years undefeated. It could be four. He's got such incredible success. This is a special guy. Now, he needed that breakthrough moment. He needed that moment in a main event, all eyes on me, the division, the promotion, and all of us staring at a performance. And that's what this represented, Benny versus Islam. And a lot of that wasn't because of Benny. Islam made his campaign early to be the number one contender. He had people like Daniel Cormier, who's got the power of the pulpit, voicing this to the masses. It was very effective. I'm sitting over here talking about going, well, it's hard to deny. The guy's 15 and 1. Khabib says, right, Khabib's opinion matters. Khabib says this is the heir apparent to the throne. It, but he didn't get it. He didn't get the title fight. But he got Gaethje speaking up about it. Gaethje's at a press conference at Madison Square Garden with more media than a UFC has ever had. And Gaethje was not talking about Chandler. He was talking about Makhlchev. The next night in attendance, Islam was not in the building, let alone on the card. The announced team was talking about Islam. So Islam was getting dividends on an investment that he had previously made because Islam was not afraid to be told no. Rejection's very tough in life, guys. It's not, it's not unique to athletes or unique to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Rejection's hard. A cold call, knocking on a door, having the door shut in your face, it's a hard thing to do. We don't want to do that. So we don't usually try. Now, Islam looked at it differently. I don't think that Islam thought for a second, even if he had the power of Daniel Cormier and an audience, you guys, that he was going to skip the line and be next to be in there with Charles Oliveira. I don't think he really thought that. I think Islam knew becoming a number one contender is a conversation. And the conversation needs to be started now. If you're going to shut doors in my face, shut them now. Not three and four matches down the road. It was very wise. That is one thing that Ali, the manager to Islam, does better than any other manager in this space. Ali will also promote. Ali knew full well Islam was very unlikely to be going right into a title fight. But he knew that that conversation was going to get pinged around. And the next time that question comes up, Islam's name is now one of the names on the table. So Benny is the topic of this conversation. What does Benny do? So Benny was in a beautiful spot. He's going to be main event. It's going to be ESPN. Islam looks like he's going to be the number one contender. Islam's beating up a whole bunch of guys in a row, but Benny's beating up just as many. So now they're going to go head-to-head, -head, and it looks like whoever was going to come out of that would be on the tip of everybody's tongue to be the number one contender. I get that there's moving parts. I don't want to hear about it, but that's all you can do. All you can get is to be part of the conversation, and generally that gets narrowed down, figuratively, to three people. Three people's names all get thrown out there. Who's it going to be? Okay. you want, All you can do is make sure you're one of those three. You can't do any better. Islam was doing that, and Bobby, I apologize, and Benny is Islam's partner getting the same effect.
So what does he do now? That's the question. <sighs> tough. It's a tough one. There's only so many options, right? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to study history, see what worked for somebody else, and then put yourself into one of those categories. So I'm going to ask it a fourth time. What does he do now? One weakness that Darush has, and it's only one. This guy is such a good fighter. A number of people, including Dan Hooker, who was ranked number five in the world in that weight class. Nobody knows the weight class better than Dan Hooker. He's ranked number five in the world. He fights in nothing but co-main events and main events. He'd already been in there with one half of the battle, which was Islam. Dan Hooker picked Benny. A lot of people picked Benny. That was going to be Islam the favorite, but it was going to close from three to one where it opened and went down to two and a half to one. I would bet you DraftKings, if they were doing it right now, it'd probably still be two to one. But two to one against Islam Makhlchev, who is the heir apparent to the throne, according to the King Khabib, to only be a two to one favorite, that's a tight match. That's a good, tight, pick em match. What do you do now? Can Benny get himself back to the main event, right? If you can't get back to a number one contenders match, which you cannot do without advocating for yourself for it. If you can't do that, can you get back to the next best thing? Title fight being the best thing you can get. The next best thing is what Benny also had, which is a main event. Can he keep the main event spot? That's not a guarantee. That is also something done through advocacy. And Benny just doesn't do it. Benny just, that's just not part of, of, of who Benny is. He's a competitor. He's an athlete. He's driven. He checks every box. He's a nice guy. He's a hard worker. He's a talent. I mean, he checks every single box. He has not checked the box of being a promoter that's going to grab a blowhorn and start talking about himself. He's just not. So what does he do? Now, conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom says that he make a call out for the first time ever, and he can even do it in polite, Benny Darush fashion to take on the winner of Islam versus Bobby Green. I don't love that. I don't hate it. The only one I hate is that we do nothing, which is what I fear Benny is going to do. I think Benny is going to do absolutely nothing, get a phone call one day, somebody else tells him what he's going to do in his career, and like the guy is, he says, okay. Says, okay. The other side of the coin that does not get visited very often is to call for the loser. To say, I want whoever loses this fight, get whoever wins is going to go fight for the championship, but whoever doesn't win, that was supposed to be my fight. I was supposed to be in a main event. I was supposed to fight five rounds. I was supposed to be in there with Islam, but now became Bobby. So now Bobby's got a problem with me, or Islam and I are going to finish what we already started. It's a story. It's not generally how it's done, but I don't hate it, particularly in this case, because it is realistic. If Bobby gets beat by Islam, Bobby's now in the same spot as Darush, which is a main event fighter who didn't propel himself to the only next step, which is title fight, and he's going to be looking something to do, and keeping his standing as a main event fighter is going to be absolute paramount. So the story does work. It does work. We're going to be looking for something to do, but Benny's got to make it crystal clear, this is my fight. I did not hurt myself. 
I was in the room practicing and grinding, doing what you're supposed to do to prepare for battle. I was doing what I was supposed to do, where I was supposed to do it, with who I was supposed to be doing it with. I will not allow myself to stumble or be punished. And you're going to have a lot of people that go, yeah, I agree. A lot of people are going to say, I agree. And it's always the move. It's not just what's next and what's in front of you. This sport works in a different way. What's coming up? I will see guys lose in a title fight, get an interview, and not set something up for themselves. In fact, I've only seen in history one guy ever smart enough to have something to say in defeat. It was Rampage. Rampage Jackson fought John Jones. Huge fight at the time. Rampage comes in second, and when they interview him, he touched on John. He just used that as a bridge to get to the next topic, which is what's next, and he called out Shogun. And everybody listens, go, yeah, I want to see Rampage and Shogun. Let's get those guys together. All of a sudden, he goes to the press conference. Post-fight press conference, they're asking him questions, not about what already happened, what's going to happen next, which was Shogun, because it's conversation. Rampage, in defeat, was smart enough to bring up. Very good move. You got to be the boss even after a loss. You have to be prepared for all outcomes. You have to realistically know where your standing is. And Benny's been in the media. This was a big fight. Benny versus Islam is as big of a fight as I have seen given to us by the partnership between UFC and ESPN that I can remember. I think, I think it's number one for me, for anticipation, for looking forward to this, to not really knowing what's going to happen, for having a true number one contenders match, which we've been told ahead of time, for knowing exactly what we're going to get. And all we got to do is turn the TV on. It was great, but Benny's got to fight for that spot. Benny, to get to that spot, took four years, and he had to beat seven people and maybe even eight. To get back to that spot, is he going to have to just repeat history? He's going to have to go another four years and beat another seven people and possibly eight? Or can he just speak up and take his spot? It's hard. It's just, it's not a skill that Benny has. But it is a power that we have. We, the audience, does decide who fights last. And we, the audience, does decide what's on the line. Benny's never asked anybody for anything. Benny's not asking you for something now. I'm asking you on behalf of Benny. He put in the work. He put in the sacrifice. He was where he's supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing with who he was supposed to be doing it with. Now we got to defend him. We got to keep that spot. I do not hate the story that the winner of Islam Bobby goes on to fight for a world championship. I equally don't hate the story that whoever comes up with the silver medal stays in a main event and takes on the guy that was originally planning to be there named Benny Darouche. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And thank you for checking out my YouTube channel. I'm almost at 1 million subscribers, and it's because of you. I appreciate that. I will see you all on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.